doing things that you love is an important aspect of it because um, one of our kind of slogans, I guess, that we talk about a lot and that I talk about a lot is this concept of doing hard things on purpose. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana College of Business. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot. Hey folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. This week, we've got another great story of creativity and hustle happening right here in Western Montana. Oriana Turley is a registered nurse, and she grew sick and tired of working in crummy clothing that didn't fit, didn't last, and wasn't sourced from an ethical supply chain. So she decided to do something about it. Medicine Mountain Scrub Company is about to bring to market a line of scrubs designed to maximize comfort and performance, all in a product you can feel good about. Oriana's journey to entrepreneurship is one we can all learn a lot from. Medicine Mountain is in the midst of a Kickstarter campaign, and from the sounds of it, folks are lining up to get their hands on these scrubs. I'm excited for you to learn more about Oriana and Medicine Mountain Scrubs right now. Okay, so we're here today with Oriana Twirly. Oriana, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, so you are in the midst of a startup launch right? Medicine Mountain Scrubs. We're going to talk all about that. But um, before we do, I, I would love to just educate the, the the listeners and myself a little bit more on your your personal story, because your your journey into medicine and now this this uh, the startup venture has not necessarily been linear. You've done a lot of things in your life. Give us give us kind of the uh, the quick uh, hits of the bio that we need to know. Yeah, so I think my story really begins in Southern Oregon. Um, I was raised by back-to-the-land hippies, so to speak, on a subsistence lifestyle and a really beautiful childhood overall. Our parents really focused on making sure that we were outside in nature. We lived really in tune with nature for most of my childhood, and it definitely set the standard for the way I lived the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And so you came to University of Montana as an undergraduate student in journalism. How did you find Montana? Why, why Missoula? Yeah, so I was really set on being a journalist. Originally, I thought I wanted to um, go to school at Berkeley. And I went and visited and realized that all of the things that were true to my nature weren't things that were happening there. Hmm. And then I discovered the University of Montana just at a college hmm. fair and I ended up applying, and I had a lot of scholarships coming out of high school, and almost a full ride at UM was maybe one year at Berkeley, and so I ended up not even applying to any other school. I applied to the University of Montana, and I came here um, at, right out of high school when I was 17 years old Wow! You know, to snowboard and kayak and go to school for journalism and kind of go on a path of self-discovery up here. Soak it all up. And, uh, you know, I saw that some of your uh, your work as a journalism student and then as a journalist beyond really sort of deals with the outdoors and uh, and a lot of travel in there, right? Definitely. You know, I think when you're young and the whole world is in front of you, you have all these grand ideas about your future. I really wanted to be a travel writer and travel internationally and work in the outdoors and write about it. And as we all know, life takes a lot of unexpected turns. So, um, yeah, I ended up doing a lot of other stuff, but outdoors related nonetheless. 
Sure, deep connection to the land, to your environment, to, you know, sort of playing in a way outside, a lot of guiding work. Um, yeah. When was the turn to nursing? Why, why did the nursing bug and medicine in general sort of catch you? Yeah, I think I'm part of this new cohort of, um, you know, nurses in the Mountain West who worked in the outdoor industry through their teens and 20s. And once they look forward to having a family, then comes a look for stability, financial stability, while maintaining some flexibility in life. So you can still, you know, participate in your outdoor adventures and travel. And medicine is a really natural fit. Healthcare in general is a really natural fit. And so, yeah, and it's also a profession you can feel good about, you know, you can be proud of. Yeah, it's certainly that a profession you can, you're helping people. It's a profession that, um, you, particularly if you want that flexibility, like you're talking about, it can afford that, but also do it in such a way that you're, you know, everybody wants to get paid more, but it's really relatively well paid um, because you know, you're an expert in your field and you provide a critical service. And you've been able to have a relationship with work where you can spend chunks of time down in Baja and, and get out and, and enjoy this, this beautiful natural world with, with, your, with your family and your daughter. Talk about that life balance that you've been able to craft. Yeah, I think pretty early on when I became a nurse, I realized that my goals and my focus were lifestyle-based, not particularly in my personal nursing career progression. And so that was a really important realization for me. And therefore, I was able to kind of reapply myself to shift work and, and being a floor nurse and being able to be there for my coworkers and show up and kind of do the dirty work with great and grace and and um, just feel thankful to have a, a job where I'm one of, you know, 40 something nurses and I am able to step out of that role and take time off and not be missed, so to speak. Yeah, I would imagine particularly now with uh, just the intensity of being in the hospital with coronavirus and, and all of that, that yeah, maybe, maybe it's a nice time to kind of have that relationship to work where you can go in, be, at sh be on shift, be all in, and then separate yourself from it a little bit. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, 100%. I think one of my mottos lately um, for myself and others is clock out and move on. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of intensity that happens while we're at work. We witness a lot of trauma in a lot of different ways, and it can be really easy to kind of take on other people's pain. And one of the things that I'm really trying to advocate for myself and others right now is really moving on once you leave your shift, you know? Yeah. That's a really interesting phrase, taking on other people's pain. How, how are you able to, I've often wondered that one of my, one of my good buddies here is, is an emergency room doc at, uh, at St. Pat's. And, you know, I think you have to sort of be wired a certain way to do that kind of work. But uh, for all of us, I think there's wisdom and a lesson in being able to not take on others' pain. How, how do you kind of go about um, crafting those boundaries or sort of managing those dynamics in your life? Yeah, I think it's important to realize the difference between compassion and empathy. Um, mm -hmm. Showing up in a room and having compassion for people and being present is very different than understanding someone else's pain to the extent that you feel it yourself. And that has been an important distinction for me personally, to be able to be present and 
um, kind of be that solid energy in the room when people are experiencing intense grief, for example, and being able to be there for them. Um, but at the same time, trying to be your own entity with your own energy um, that is separate from that pain. It's probably something that takes a lot of uh, like repetition and practice. Um, I mean, maybe some people come to it naturally, Definitely. but but I could see that it, it sort of has to take a deliberate uh, approach to developing the ability to sort of act effectively in that space. It is definitely a learned skill. It's something that <laughs> took me years because I am a pretty empathetic person historically. And yeah, it is absolutely a learned skill. So let's shift gears to the, the startup Medicine Mountain Scrub Company. Because here, here we are, like you're in a profession where you're, you're helping other people work through tough situations and, you know, now you're sort of trying to bring a solution to a marketplace. You, you, tell us about sort of the, the inspiration behind this company. Why Scrubs and what's the problem in that marketplace that you're trying to solve? Yeah, so I think this is a two-part question. First, function. Um, we show up to work and we do a lot of very close contact work in people's most intimate moments. And having a uniform that fits poorly, specifically a plunging v-neck or a low-rise pant, you know, you're in the bathroom, you're squatting, you're bending over, you're helping people in tight spaces um, with very personal things. And having your body exposed makes it more uncomfortable for everybody. You know, sure. you can always push through that, of course, but you really want as many factors in the situation kind of under control so you can just focus on the task at hand. And often that's making the person you're helping feel comfortable with a situation that's really uncomfortable or embarrassing at times, you know. And, yeah, and I uh, guess before before we kind of get into the to the unique um, attributes of, of your product. Like, can we talk a little bit more about the history of scrubs? Like, I, I don't really know. I mean, what I, what I know of scrubs is like you scrub into surgery. So you got to wear something that's probably bacteria resistant or, you know, somehow controlled for the environment or appropriate for the environment. But, but how you describe it, like there's, there's big problems with, with that uniform in terms of how you interact with, with people and, and, and so forth. So maybe, Talk a little bit more about like why do these things exist? Why, why do medical practitioners wear them in general? Yeah, so um, scrubs traditionally have been mass produced, pretty cheaply made, um, the same style, poor fitting. Um, and it, it's a uniform essentially because our jobs can be pretty dirty. So mm -hmm. the idea is that you wear this uniform to work. You take it off when you get home, you wash it hundreds of times. It's something that you wear over and over. You know, you might get blood or urine or other bodily fluids on you. And, um, but yeah, just trying to change that mentality of like cheap scrubs essentially that don't um, cater to the function that we need at work. So they're designed in terms of trying to um, control the, the medical sort of function, right? Like to be sterile and to be able to sort of be cleaned relatively quickly. Like, like you said, like a uniform and often uniforms are not designed um, with function or the actual person wearing it in mind. So, um, 
so there's that, and we'll talk about those benefits with with you, your product, but also uh, we'll get to the, so, some of the supply chain stuff. So yeah, maybe maybe use this as a pivot point to launch into some of what you, what you're up to. Yeah. So in the past, scrubs have really been thought of almost as disposable, and I think there's a couple of problems with that. Um, focusing on quantity over quality, cheaply made, you know, no technology in the fabrics. It really is a disadvantage to the wear. And these days we, you know, show up to work every day and we do all kinds of things. And as we know in the outdoor industry, you know, we have a uniform for every activity that we do. And there's a lot of thought put into that. And so why wouldn't we have the same thing for the medical workplace? We go into rooms that are very hot and very cold. We're in tight spaces, helping people with intimate moments. Why wouldn't we have a technical garment that fits us well, um, that also has some of these um, developments in fabric and fit and function that you would find in the outdoor industry, for example? Sure. So let's talk about some of those things. So what? sell me on um, Medicine Mountain Scrubs. Like, How are you guys doing it better? Yeah, so our inaugural Alpine scrub set um, is four-way stretch. It's got a twill weave for that rugged denim look. We're really mountain inspired uh-huh. and ultra lightweight durability. It's soft and breathable. We've got stain and wrinkle resistant finishes on it and just full coverage kind of fitted athletic design and a total of 20 pockets in the set. Super important to have pockets on both sides of your scrubs and your top and bottom. We have a lot of tools that we use in our job. We wanna make sure that we're able to have all the tools we need to do for our job on us at all times. Uh, Time management is really important and that's a big part of it as well. Talk about the process of kind of honing in the design. I, I can just imagine like, you know, living in this, and we had, we had a conversation with Sarah Calhoun a few months ago, you know, founder of Red Ants Pants. And she was just talking about the comfort piece, um, which I totally get. And, you know, you laid that out there so clearly I'm thinking about this sort of function piece too. You know, I've got a pair of scrub pants that I got from my father-in-law years ago. And and I think they're made for a surgeon who has like the traditional scalpel and somebody hands him the scalpel or her the scalpel and, and, but you know the pocket thing sounds really important as you're you know you're you're kind of you need like more than two hands and certainly the 20 pockets i could see get put to good use yeah definitely so we really focused on uh function for our scrubs I teamed up with a top outdoor clothing designer, um, friend Katie, and she really helped me hone in the fit, making sure that mm-hmm. it's going to fit, you know, bodies of different sizes and, you know, um, really source our fabric at outdoor retailers. So we were able to take a fabric that's the cutting edge of the outdoor industry and apply it to the medical workwear space. And then we were even to take it a step further and add a few attributes to the fabric to make it custom for medical workwear. And in this way, we've been really fortunate to collaborate with professionals from the outdoor industry to kind of pull in those advancements and really make some improvements on our scrubs. Yeah. So I like how you put that, you know, the, um, that we have like a, you know, as, as outdoor athletes, we have a costume for, for every okay. little thing we do. Yeah. And the kit gets more and more and more specialized. 
And yeah, why wouldn't you have something that is totally dialed in to, to, to the work you're doing? I suppose, you know, developing those prototypes through your own experience, you've probably been tinkering with other solutions. If you're, you know, if you're, it sounds like all the time you've spent outdoors guiding, like you've learned to tinker with designs. How did you put together a team of, of folks to, to test this product, to really know that you kind of had gotten the design and the attributes to where you needed them to be? Yeah, again, I think, you know, being a nurse and designing for nurses and then for women in medicine across the board, I've been really lucky because I, you know, work with tons of women and it really gives me a good, um, good access to my target demographics, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so I was really able to utilize my friendships with my coworkers and other women in medicine um, to give me feedback and make sure that the garment will do what we want it to do and what we say it's going to do. And I would suppose at some stage in the process that you sort of, you sort of sense that you've got product market fit when people are sort of just asking, like, when can I get these things? Or they're, maybe they're trying a prototype and they won't give it back. Exactly. I think I get to ask that work every day. When can we buy your scrubs? You know, right, we're right. asking people to invest in a startup also. And through our Kickstarter campaign, you know, we're going to pre-sell our scrubs. And then people will have to wait patiently until they're made. And that's part of our strategy to launch our first scrub set, but also our business. And so we're really asking people to buy in to our mission and, and to support us from the very beginning. Right. So we're catching you in the midst of that Kickstarter campaign. And I think that's a, a good moment of the conversation to pivot to kind of the supply chain piece because, you know, the sort of the sourcing, uh, the sustainability ethical supply chain, those are values that are really important to you and are and are, are kind of driving forces of this startup as well. Yeah, exactly. So again, I bring my experience from the outdoor industry in here because I really think business in the outdoor industry has really shown us the way here. And the technological developments in fabric to reduce the use of chemical fin finishes that are um, damaging to the environment, utilizing recycled materials, but also this idea of a business model that includes the value of reducing environmental impact into our pricing margins. And I actually had a great conversation with Sarah Calhoun about this because pricing is really difficult, of course. Mm -hmm. And where do you factor in the value of, you know, protecting the planet and making sure that people are taken into account every step of the way on your supply chain? Um, I think that we have an opportunity to take on advocacy roles and use our platform and money uh, toward preserving the planet, ensuring ethical and sustainable practices. And the outdoor industry has done this really well. And so it's kind of taking that concept and applying it to medical workwear. Really, it should be a standard of business across the board. A New Angle is brought to you by First Security Bank and Blackfoot. Two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. Hi, this is Sheila Stearns, Commissioner Emerita of the Montana University System and former president of the University of Montana. You are listening to one of my favorite podcasts, A New Angle. Um, but unfortunately, it's not yet. Yeah, I could see that playing out in a few different ways. Like at the individual level, I'm sure there are 
you know, a significant number of, of, of folks in the profession who would make that choice that would pay that premium, um, to know that the product they're buying is providing uh, a whole host of, of attributes, not only the performance attributes, but also the ethics and the sustainability. It's a different story at the institutional level, right? Like the, the, the medical profession or industry, I don't think has quite the, uh, the ethic of sustainability that you're, you're trying to bring. So maybe, maybe talk about um, some of that. Like, are you trying to move the needle within medicine? Yeah, so I think healthcare is moving towards sustainability, and there's a lot of people doing really good work in this area, um, specifically around sustainable product procurement along, you know, system-wide supply chains for huge hospital systems. Of course, the key to um, the heart of any big business is money, and so a lot of, even here in Missoula, there's a lot of amazing work being done around data creation to show how efficiency can save the hospital system's money and also replacing products that are in our supply chain and available every day um, with a more sustainable option maybe replacing plastic with a biodegradable and trying to find alternatives that are at the same price point or less for the hospital. Obviously that's a much easier sell. In addition, in nursing specifically, you know, magnet status is a, a, a nursing excellence certification that hospitals can get. And our hospital in Missoula at St. Pat's has magnet certification. And sustainability is one of their points that they look at in order to be certified. And so that really drives each hospital to um, to look at sustainability, sustainability and sustainable practices. And so I'm really encouraged because I see a lot of systemic change in the future of healthcare uh, moving towards sustainability. So it's interesting to, to think of those dynamics within the industry at a macro level kind of within this community, I, I would expect you probably have a fair amount of support for, for what you're trying to do. Absolutely. Montana is incredible for entrepreneurship in general. There's so many resources here. And on another level, I think that people in the Missoula area and in Montana just really get it. They really get what we're trying to do. Culturally, it's understood that, you know, people are willing to pay a little bit more, understanding that the environment and healthy people are taken into account. And it's just part of our culture of the outdoors in Montana. And we're really lucky. And I've been extremely grateful to be here and launching my business from rural Montana um, because the community support is so strong. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the characteristics of that supply chain you mentioned. I mean, two of the things that, that are prominent in, in, in your storytelling that I've seen are this global recycle standard and blue sign. Um, explain what those two sort of um, uh, things signify and why they're why they're important for you to achieve those two. Yeah, so supply chains are extremely complex, um, especially mm -hmm. global supply chains. And so the goal here is to increase transparency and accountability at every step of the supply chain. And third-party certifications are so important here. Um, mostly because how do we prove that someone who is perhaps far away is doing things and doing business in a way um, that is right and that is ethical sure. and that is sustainable? And um, Blue Sign Certified is one of those that people hear of often. Um, Global Recycle Standard is more of an international certification. 
and also the supplier ethical data exchange, which is a little bit of a mouthful, but yeah. they provide ethics audits of um, manufacturing at every level. It's a not-for-profit membership organization. And um, really you can go and see how manufacturers and supply chains are evaluated in the ways of ethics, social justice, um, environmental burden. And it's a pretty incredible tool for someone like me who lives in rural Montana to be able to ensure um, that our supply chains are meeting pretty strict standards and the values that are important to us. So just talk about that process of putting this together. I mean, so you've probably got some designs that, you know, you and your, your friend have put together. And then how do you go from that to producing at a scale where you, you can sell multiple units and, and meet the demand that's, that's hopefully and, and likely out there for you? Yeah, so I don't have an experience experience in business or or design or manufacturing in these ways. Sure. So it has been a very steep learning curve. And I worked with a manufacturer in Los Angeles through my development phase, uh, making sure that my samples and my final sample through development was of super high quality because of course that's the item that you send to manufacturers sure and they base all of their manufacturing off of that item and piecing together a supply chain is hard when you're just starting out i think it's yeah. hard for small businesses in general and mallory from kind apparel talks about this a lot and she does a great job telling this story that you know, if you're putting in an order for $25,000 or $50,000, most manufacturers won't even talk to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're looking at higher price points so they can actually make money. And I looked really hard in the United States um, to get a manufacturer who would work with me. And it was challenging, especially when COVID hit, because now the federal government is one of our main competitors, right? And it's difficult for a startup to compete with maybe an order for 250,000 gowns. Right. And moving through that process, you know, I heard a lot of no's, a lot of rejection. People were polite about it and often gave me valuable feedback. I always learned something in every rejection, but really moving forward to A, find people that were third-party certified to meet the values and ethics that we were looking for, and then B, would even talk to us. So. A lot of rejection until we we ended up going with an ethical sourcing company and they helped us put together our supply chain and that's an invaluable right. service to a small company like mine. So almost an agent that kind of acts as this go-between to sort of assess your values and then figure out a solution um, from, a, from a broader range of, of options. Now, are they able to kind of I suppose as, as, a, as a bit of an intermediary, they're able to act on behalf of multiple startups like yours so they, can, they have a little bit more leverage with some of these manufacturers, I would imagine. That's correct. And just the, you know, the experience, really, yeah. Um, yeah. being able to um, understand the process of manufacturing and, and put together supply chains from this view of ethics and uh -huh. sustainability. Um, but yeah an invaluable service to me. I really want to create a collaborative business. I a hundred percent believe in employing people who are professionals in their space. 
I know that I am not a supply chain expert and I really am trying to utilize people who are knowledgeable to help me along my way. Yeah. And so, like we said before, we're in the midst of the Kickstarter campaign. Um, are you comfortable talking about other choices you've made with, with how to kind of get this thing off the ground, how you financed it, um, choices yeah. you've made there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been bootstrapping mm-hmm. out of my paycheck as a nurse to go through development product, uh, product development and to educate myself. I joined a sustainable fashion accelerator and it helped me essentially created a checklist for me to get my product made and, and just introduce me to this whole world. And I'm a big believer in education. Um, and so, yeah, with the support of my husband, he's an artist blacksmith and, you know, we've been bootstrapping this so far. Sure. Like most things, if it's important to you, you figure out a way to make it happen. And, uh, you know, you're, you're sort of living that, uh, internal drama at the moment, um, and that drama, oh, I mean, I, I don't mean drama pejoratively. I mean, it's, it's real. Like you've talked about the struggles of rejection and the, the, the highs and lows, and, and hopefully we're, we're catching you on the upswing. You're sharing this experience with your sister, right? Your sister's partnering with you in, in this initiative. Can you talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah, definitely. My sister, her name is Golden and she's incredible. And I made my pitch probably a year ago to try and get her on board to help me with this. You know, I thought it would be an incredible journey for us as sisters. Um, We are very similar in the way we think and are organized. And she's an incredibly kind and empathetic and hardworking person. And there's no one that I would rather have by my side than her. She's very loyal and yeah, so I just kept pitching her on my way home from work. She worked at the local library after being a stay-at-home mother for mm-hmm. over 10 years. And and I just know all of her skills. And I just know how much, um, in some ways, untapped potential she has to be an incredible businesswoman. And, and um, yeah, and she said yes. She quit her job at the library and she wow. joined on full-time to work for me for free essentially until we can get this thing off the ground. And I am, I don't know how I would be able to do it without her. Sure. And what have you learned about your relationship over this time? I've learned that we work really well together. Mm -hmm. We are more similar than maybe we thought. And (laughs) we complement each other's strengths really well. You know, I am the face of the company. I do a lot of the talking, the social media. And Golden helps keep me organized. She gives me to-do lists every week. I'll text her and be like, you know, I got low senses from work. I don't have to go in today. What am I supposed to be doing today? You know, and she is really good at that supportive role and making sure that, you know, we have our task list and our priorities straight at the beginning of every week. And, and that is not my strong point. So she saved us on many occasions. So what does, uh, what does success look like for you? Like in, in the timeline for that, I'm sure you've set out objectives. Like here's what we want to look like after the Kickstarter. Here's what we want to look like six months out a year out, but like long-term, what do you, what do you want from this thing? 
I mean, ultimately, I want to be a driver in sustainable business. Mm-hmm. You know, I am kind of a woman on a mission to make some change in the healthcare industry. Um, on a more personal level, Golden and I have talked about this a lot. You know, we just want to provide good income and support our families and live a flexible lifestyle. This idea was born while I was traveling, you know, living in Baja, which we do every winter for a certain amount of time. And just realizing that the most important thing to me is freedom and flexibility and being able to spend time with my family and own my own time. So if we can make a living and, and we live a really good life, you know, we don't need tons and tons of money. We just need to continue forward, like on a, a solid path and support our families and be able to own our time. A good full life. And I love that owning your time. I mean, I've certainly, that resonates with me. I've made, tried to make choices in, in service of that goal. I haven't always worked out, but, um, try to do it. So along those lines, I mean, you, you referenced your social media before and kind of being the face of this emerging and developing brand. You've got a lot of rich storytelling uh, on your website and through your social channels. I mean, you present as somebody with a really full life. You do a lot of things. Um, and like you said, and owning your own time is an important value to you. Uh, how do you do it all? I mean, it looks like you do so much stuff. How do you, how do you do it all and, uh, and stay sane and stay balanced and, and, and have, have such grace? How, how does it happen? Yeah, I think doing things that you love is an important aspect of it because um, one of our kind of slogans, I guess, that we talk about a lot and that I talk about a lot is this concept of doing hard things on purpose, Mm -hmm. right? So in the outdoors, you choose your mission, you know, you execute it, knowing that at any point in time, you might have to turn around, it might not work, you know, but you're still going to go for it and you're still going to do it. And I think our work in the hospital is very similar. You don't get into nursing because it's an easy paycheck. It is really difficult. It is really dirty. It takes a lot of mental and physical strength and resilience. And um, I think that feeds my soul and it always has. And I think this is just one more application of, of that enjoyment of doing difficult things and, and how much that kind of fills my soul. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I read uh, some of your writing that, that talks about that very thing, doing hard things on purpose, but also kind of knowing when to take your foot off the gas pedal and, and give yourself a break. And, uh, yeah, that's probably a piece of it too. I know that athletes rarely pay attention to the recovery to the, to the extent that they should, or they learn to over time. Yeah. How does rest and recovery kind of play into your approach? Yeah, I'm on this huge kick right now of self-compassion and self-kindness and mm-hmm. whatever it is that you have got to do, you just do it and you, you know, forgive yourself for it. Yeah. Um, taking that, those shoulds out of your life and say no to things and people that don't serve you and just making sure that you're moving forward in a super solid progression and in a way that feels good and, and kind of bringing other people along with you, I think. For me, I'm a Leo. I was raised in a community of mostly women. I really believe strongly in this concept of sisterhood and that when we uplift each other, we all benefit. Mm -hmm. And I think that being able to tap into that for my business has really fueled my fire. 
Um, it's an aspect that just gets me pumped up for the future and all the ideas we can do around this concept of kind of women helping women. Yeah, I think that might be some wisdom that comes out of this um, COVID-19 pandemic is sort of the, the, the realization that you can make choices to protect yourself and invest in the safety and health and resilience of those around you in such a way that's not um, selfish, right? I mean, it's it's self-serving in a way, but it's not selfish. And that, that distinction, um, I think, could be some some. I think it's something that that a lot of folks are grappling with, and it could be you know, maybe some clarity around that and how to protect ourselves in such a way that serves the community and community level health uh, could be something that positive that comes out of this. I don't know. What do you think of that? I hope so. I think <laughs> that especially for caregivers, professional caregivers, yeah, yeah. Um, we know that we cannot serve others unless we first serve ourselves. And that is just like, I hope that everybody takes that away from this experience. I like, in order to show up to work and take care of other people, you really need to be able to um, protect your own body and soul and mind, and then extend that to the community and the people you care for. And having compassion for yourself first, and then also extending that to others from a, from a super solid place. Yeah, put on your own mask before assisting others, right? I mean, that simple thing we hear on the airplane. If I ever go on an airplane again, I'll hear that, but... Uh... I think yeah. that's very well put. Um, Oriana, as we close here, I'm sure you've learned tons of lessons over this journey. And you're sort of, I don't know if it's fair to say at the end of the beginning, but there's a lot more of the journey to go. What have you learned uh, that you could uh, share with budding entrepreneurs that that want to uh, just sort of emulate or aspire to some of the the goals that you've put out there? I think first, don't give up. If you give up, it won't work. <laughs> it won't last long. <laughs> yeah. Persistence is key. And especially in times of COVID, I think we're all learning how to pivot quickly and with grace and not getting caught up in the weeds as far as what didn't work out. Just really looking forward and finding your path, even if you take a lot of left and right hand turns along the way. So we will post a link to the ongoing Kickstarter campaign. Where can people find out more about you and about Medicine Mountain Scrub Company online? Definitely. So on social media, we're at Medicine Mountain Scrubs, MTN Scrubs, and www.medicinemountainscrubs.com. Again, our Kickstarter campaign will be posted. And Instagram is definitely the place I'm most active and most comfortable with. It was a, an interesting kind of segue into social media and Instagram is definitely a way where we say our piece. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story with us. And, uh, you know, I look forward to maybe a couple of years from now talking more about how you've uh, broken up the industry and, and, and revolutionized the supply chain and that everybody in town and beyond is, is wearing these beautiful scrubs and produce. Thank you for spending some time with us today, Ariana. Man, I hope so. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. A New Angle is underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot with support from the University of Montana College of Business and Consolidated Electrical Distributors. AJ Williams is our producer. Jeff Ament, John Wicks, and VTO made our music. And Jeff Meese is our master of all things sound. 
If you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. If you like what you heard, tell your friends about us. Thanks a lot and see you next time.